Welcome to Driven to Sell. This is the podcast for anyone working as a sales professional or business leaders who have an interest and responsibility for driving sales. I'm your host, Daniel Addy, and I'll interview top performers from many walks of life, including sales, business leaders, authors, and elite performers from sport and beyond. I'll be really tapping into what led them to achieving great things whilst uncovering tactics and strategies for what really creates excellence in performance and how that can translate into business and sales excellence. Each episode, available every week in audio format at Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Amazon Music. It's also available in video format on our YouTube channel. Just search Driven to Sell or visit our website to subscribe. Please take the time to also visit our guests on the relevant social platforms and check out what I'm doing on LinkedIn. All the links, as you'd expect, are detailed below. But for now, remember, value yourself so you can bring more value to the market. Welcome to the show, Keith. How are things with you, sir? Hi, Dan. Yeah, good. Um, waiting for this storm that they've been on about for a few days. Karen, I think that's the pronunciation. Um so it's all a bit quiet here at the moment, but I think we're in the eye of it. So I think it's it might get a little bit uh, lively a little bit later on. But uh, like the media does, it, it, my wife was panicking and what have you, clearing car, garden furniture up. But we're all right. We're still here. The roof's still on. That's the main thing. It's almost as bleak as the English weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, I, was t- I was explaining to the guys yesterday. So I'm doing a, doing a podcast tomorrow. Um, and I said, but we got a storm due. Well, of course, they're Americans. So they sat there and went, a storm in the UK, one event, you know, because they get real storms out there. So they were unimpressed. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. Everything's on a bigger scale out there, isn't it? The good stuff and the bad stuff. Absolutely. So uh, cool. Okay. So, so look, one of the things I like to do at the the beginning of each show is just sort of offer the opportunity for, for, for each guest to tell me or indeed the audience, we know a little bit about each other, of course, a little bit about themselves. So I'll give you the, uh, the, the typical interview question, Keith, tell me a bit about yourself. (laughs) <laughs> uh Keith, I'm I'm 61. You wouldn't guess, I know. Years have been kind. Uh yeah, uh <laughs> been around a bit, been selling, um, made my living from selling since 1984. And uh I'm not gonna go through the list, but it's pretty much everything. Um, you know, always been to office equipment, hot dogs on Worthing Pier, cars, used cars, new cars, motorbikes, uh, you know, dolphin showers. I've sold everything. But the last 25 years, I've been in what I consider to be and still do one of the most exciting industries in the world. I, I absolutely love technology. I'm not technical. I don't know how this stuff does what it does. I just love it. Uh, very much a gadget man, as you can probably see, there's gadgets all around me here. I like little cameras. I, I make TikToks and that. I'm into it. And so the opportunity to get into the broadcast industry Okay, no, that's a lie. It wasn't an opportunity. I made sure I manoeuvred my career that I would end up in the broadcast uh, uh, industry. And I absolutely love it because it's full of the most fascinating people, whether that's other salesmen, uh, other leaders in the industry, thought leaders, as we say these days. I'm old school. I use a lot of old terminology while we're talking. Um, I know you're only a young man, Dan. Um, (laughs) 22, I believe. (laughs) There you go. 
So yeah, it's it's a full of real interesting people, fascinating people, uh, both from the experienced end of the broadcast, the old BBC, BNC connectors, you know, leather arm patches, those kind of guys. And I soak up that knowledge like a sponge to the cutting edge young people who talk in a language I do not understand, but they're fascinating. Mm. Some of that naivety in them is, is wonderful to listen to, you know, and they want to do certain things and that eagerness and what have you. I love all that. So, yeah, I've been in broadcast now 25 years, 21 years of it with the same company. Um, very technical company when I joined uh, Screen. I mean, uh, anybody who knows yeah. me knows that, you know, it, it screen subtitling, screen systems. 21 years there. I learned a great deal from great people, met some fantastic customers. Um, now with Enco, an American-based company, based around captioning, subtitling. We do virtual studios, all sorts of stuff. Um, I just love the industry, love the NAB, the two stakes in the ground, you know, NAB. IBC. You know, those are the ones <laughs> to go to. There's lots of regional shows, and they're great, you know. Um, but the big ones, I, I thoroughly enjoy them. So, uh, yeah, that's me. I mean, I'm I'm not very exciting, to be honest. <laughs> you talk about it in an excited fashion so so you talk about specifically maneuvering yourself into the industry before you got into it clearly there was a draw into it right you've spent 20 odd years in it now so you love it all that yeah. sort of stuff but talk to me about what what appealed about it to you before you got into the broadcast industry and also then how you specifically went about maneuvering yourself into the industry all right i'm going to be very honest um it was, I was selling, I'd moved from selling cars to moving to selling silicon chips, which I yeah. had no idea what they were. They, but when I went for the interview, they called them semiconductors. And I'm thinking, I don't know what a semiconductor is. You know, this is early 90s. So I ended up going to, for this interview and they said, yep, yeah, you know, we don't, we want a salesman. We don't want technical. We want a salesman. We've got all the technical people. We just need somebody to open the doors and get us in. And that's what I did. So semiconductor <laughs> sales. And then I moved to two companies and ended up in this lovely uh, company in, in um, Coventry. And they supplied a lot to some of the big names in broadcast. So I used to go along and meet these people in the broadcast industry. And they always seemed happier than me. Um, and they always <laughs> seemed so passionate and excited about their industry. And there was some great tech coming along. Um, and I thought, you know what? And they talked about IBC and NAB and the whole industry being at these shows. And they talked about the great times, obviously. You know, it, it had a certain reputation, let's put it that way, yeah. uh, of being a, you know, a bit of a boys outing to IBC and what have you and to NAB. So I went, oh, Vegas and Amsterdam, two great cities. And I, I, I found a way of getting into this industry. Um, and I worked for for a company uh, for a very short period of time. Unfortunately, it went it went bust. I don't think I had anything to do with that. Um, but I had the <laughs> opportunity then because someone who I'd known who was a customer said, "Listen, I've arrived at this place called Screen. I think there's a you know there's a role for a professional salesman." I said, "Well, employ me, and I'll help you look for one." And uh, <laughs> I went along uh, with my mate, who was also at the same company that went bust. We had a five-hour interview because I can talk forever. Um, and we landed the job. And that was, and it, I was off. I was in the industry I wanted to be in. And I've loved every minute, ups and downs. No company is perfect. Come on. Um, but, you know, it's it's a great industry. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. Talk to me about that, if, even if it's a word, stickability. Because... 20 years or however long it's 50, how long was it 20 years with screen? 
21 years with 21. Street. Yeah, that's a long time by any measure at any point in time over the last 40 years, right? Never mind in 2023 when people seem to want to jump up and leave after six to 12 months or at the first sign of a, a you know, a, a challenge that looks somewhat insurmountable. Yeah. Um, so, so talk to me about what made you stick around there and actually what was it? Is, was there anything specific about you that, that made you want to do that specifically and, and and talk to me about maybe some of the challenges that you had where maybe you did think about moving on, but actually you, you rode through the storm and, that's you know, a, 21 years later. <laughs> that is a great question. When I joined Screen, um, it was a very technically led company and I was a salesman with my mate Simon. Mm-hmm. And quotes were done in an email and um, deals were done over the phone with, right, we want one of these boxes, one of those boxes where it's very technical. So Sorry, sorry, Keith. You, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt and it's probably um, a, a real bugbear for guests here. You had email back then, yeah? Yeah, oh yeah. That, yeah. Is that right? You, you definitely had email, yeah? Yeah, definitely had you, email. You weren't, fa- you weren't faxing? No, we weren't faxing. <laughs> yeah, I had a fax machine, but we, we were emailing. Sorry about that. Cut you off That's mid-flow right. just for uh, just for shits and giggles. Apologies. <laughs> um, so we, we we were just, we arrived and the the technical manager had arrived at the same time and the sales director arranged at the same time and a particular engineer that I am great friends with um and state that he is still there and we're, we're great pals and i learned a lot from him and we we teamed ourselves like the children of the revolution yeah we, this was a lovely cottage industry company with already a long history yeah. uh in the subtitling world uh born out of the bbc many years ago you know because of the funding went out and had to start a company and there was a lot of history there so it's very engineering led and we came along and change things and yep. we, we drove a revolution <clears throat> we turned it into a sales company now i'm biased right I, i'm always going to be biased if nobody sells anything nobody gets paid that's the bottom line you can you can have excel spreadsheets you could do whatever you like you can put whatever terminology and wonderful vocabulary around it don't sell anything don't get paid preaching to the choir now <laughs> and that's me that's the that's the engineers that's the cleaners that's everybody nobody gets paid unless you sell something yep. we brought that culture to screen but what we also did was we took <clears> a product uh i have i'm not claiming any credit for this the clever guys decided that um everything could be run on a windows server now back then at the turn of the century um, <laughs> you know it, it 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 was all bespoke boxes Um, that did specific jobs and that was it so having having a windows server suddenly inserted into the broadcast train was a little bit new and a lot of customers i went to went no that's not going to happen well how do you run your antivirus software if you're connecting it to the internet there were all sorts of weird questions of which a lot of them i didn't have the answer for so i would go back and ask this wonderful team that i was with because the support i got from the support guys the engineers everybody at screen wanted to help you everybody wanted to give you the best opportunity yeah and we hit the, we had a i always say it was a, a a magnum opus um it was just the right product at the right time and we rode it we rode it like a rodeo and that's why i stayed <laughs> great people oh there were times I'd, I'd had interviews with other jobs i'd had members of staff that i clashed with you're always going to do that yeah. you're always going to clash and being the kind of personality i am um you know mouth on a stick you, you're going to upset people but I always, I loved the customers. 
I was often accused of uh, by my managing director. He said, you, you work harder for the customer than you do for us. And I said, <laughs> you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I'll take that as a compliment. The yeah. other compliment I take said, you're like a child. I go, yeah, I am. Cause there's no fun in being an adult. Um, so I, it was a, it was just a culture. That's yeah. the word. It was the culture of screen. Yes. There were difficult times, but the money was always there. We made good money. We delivered a good product. We serviced and supported our customers. Um, and we rode that for a long time. I would say there was a change in the market around 2015, yeah. 2016. Things changed. And I always say the same thing. And, and anybody who's, who knows me who's watching this will say, oh, he always says that. I think we still had the right IP. We were just not delivering it in the right way. The market had changed. Yeah. What, what what do you think that change was? I've, I've got my ideas and I think most people within the industry probably know, probably know what we're talking about here, but what, you know, what, the, what, the what, IT what, industry became, yeah. became it, there was broadcast, there was IT. Yeah. The two. And that merge. Yeah. Um, has, Cloud technologies and all that sort of place. Technologies yeah. Technologies and the way you deliver your products. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd seen fads, haven't we? We'd saw the absolute joke that was 3D. I was not on board with that. One iota, I said, this is never going to take off. You're never going to get people sitting there with glasses, watching the screen or what have you. It's, it's not ready. We're not ready for it. It's, it's Avatar and all that. Oh, it wasn't <laughs> going to happen. Um, not for us. But there. But when I started to hear about the cloud and the IT people would say these funny little quips like, well, yeah, I don't know why you think the cloud's so, so interesting, Keith. It's just our software running on somebody else's PC. And I go, that's, that's lovely. But I think it's a bit more than that. And I also now think the AI thing is, I don't think we know what that's going to deliver over time. So you can see what I'm like about loving talking about technology and where it's going and these, yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, I always try and say, I always come back to the anchor point, if you like, the, the, the vein that runs through you. What problem are you trying to solve for the yeah. customer? And you know, and let's not fall out about the money. I say that to every single customer. I go, let's prove the tech and we won't fall out about the money. And the yeah. deal has got to be a good deal for both parties. Yeah. It doesn't get any more complicated than that, does it, Dan? Selling? Well, it, it, it shouldn't do really, no, because you, you're looking for, you're, you're looking for, and it's a little bit cheesy, isn't it? You're looking for the win-win scenario, right? Is how can we deliver something to you that gives you a win and ultimately the the, the, the arrangement works for us as well, right? Absolutely. Um. But it often becomes more challenging than that. But, it, you know, sometimes we over, you know, overly yeah. sort of think it, don't we? So, so yeah, just, just going back to that sort of stickability piece. Yeah. Um. So what I was hearing as you're talking about it is you've got the right product at the right time in the market yeah. that enabled you to fly as a business. Yeah. Um, and you're having fun, right? So you want to stick around when you're having fun. Everyone's making good money. The marketplace loves your product. The customers love your product. You get on well with you. All of that sort of stuff, right? But I'm just wondering, is there more to it than that as well? Because, and, and we can all sort of reap the rewards when times are good and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, clearly clearly you've stuck around for more than just that. Yeah. So what what beyond that stuff? And that's that's great because that all of that stuff does keep people around. But what beyond that do you feel sort of, made you stick around for, uh, for for even longer than that, even, you know, for the last seven or eight years, you know, before the, the market changed and times got challenging, shall we say, for screen? The love, the love of doing a deal, the contacts that I've made, 
and the people. It's it's about the people. Um, I would have changed industries if I didn't enjoy the people. And when I put the LinkedIn message up, said, you know, time to say goodbye to Catherine Jenkins. Almost feel like <laughs> singing there. Time to... Anyway, when I said that, I got over 2,000 hits, people going, goodness me, you know, you, you're leaving screen. Why? And, and I, it, some of it brought me to tears. I'm, a, I'm emotionally driven. I have a very low IQ. I do. But a very high EQ. Yep. Um, I've done all the tests and, and because I'm dyslexic. Um, that also plays a factor. Um, I, I'm emotionally driven and, and affected by the room. And I, I think there was a tipping point to come to this stickability thing. I think there was a point at screen where I was relying on my inbox. So I'll call it my uncomfortable comfort zone. I was <clears> relying <throat> on my inbox. Yeah. I was relying on renewals of support contracts i was relying on just adding extra bits to the systems they'd already had bearing in mind that at its peak we broadcast we dominated something like 75 percent of the world's broadcast that had our equipment in it yeah. there wasn't a european or an american broadcaster i couldn't walk into and have a cup of coffee even if i wasn't trying to sell anything yeah. um, that's how good we had it so when that tipping point came good you know I thought I was a good salesman until I tried to sell change. And I knew we needed to change. I knew we needed to update our products, needed to get with the get with the program. So sell change internally, you mean? Sell change into the internal Yeah, get get the product to where yeah. it needs to be and, and I, all that. I, yeah. I failed. I failed miserably. Right. Because I thought, why can't people see what I can see? None of this is a Keith Lucas original. None of this technology is me inventing it or thinking, I think we should go this way. I've been listening to the customer. I've been listening to these people I've had a cup of coffee with, you know, yeah, yeah. and not tried to sell them anything, but they'll tell me everything. Yeah. Felt like Michael Parkinson sometimes, you know, <laughs> we'd go, I'd go to a facility. They say, do you want to walk around or do you want to go across the road and have a cup of coffee? I go, let's go have a cup of coffee. And you'd get chatting about stuff and they'd tell you yeah. all this stuff. I'd come back excited to go, guys, this headland at so-and-so would say this, they'd say that, this is the technology we should be getting into. And they used to sit there and go, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And never do anything about it. I couldn't get that traction. I couldn't, I couldn't make it. That's, I, think, I think that's when we met a few years ago. You were sort of in that space, Absolutely. weren't you? Um, was it four or five years ago, something oh. like that? We probably sort of coming towards a mid-end end stage of trying to push Try that change push that change through and all that sort of but stuff as well. Then you have to change it by people. Yeah. You know, the people, I loved them. I absolutely loved the, the team that I worked with. They, we were only <laughs> 35 people. I, you know, I knew every one of them well. You know, and 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 I felt a responsibility to them because I always, because of my love of obviously bikes, cars, and what have you, and the the drivers or the riders. I'll stick to riders because bikes are a better analogy with bikes. <laughs> you know, you get the you you get the great riders, the Mark Marquezes, the, the my hero, the great Barry Sheen. He took me water skiing once. That was wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, he bike races get they get all the glory but they can't do any of it without that great team behind them and i'm not just talking about you know the team manager and what have you the people behind the guys changing the forks the shocks the, yeah. doing the design of the of the bikes and what have you is that team and i always felt when i went into a customer i represent a team you would die for at screen they yeah. are the best of the best yeah and i went in with that confidence and when you got when a salesman's got confidence they sell Confidence in their product and their company, yeah. the sale happens. Yeah. You know?
Absolutely. But yeah. that was the stickability. And you can't fake that either, can you? That you, 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 you're either you're either confident in it or you're not. And and it's not to say that you can't sell if you're not massively confident, but it's just going to skyrocket if you've got that inner belief in in what it is that you're doing and the people around you. Yeah. And um, then I know when we were talking about setting up this call, and we were sort of like you know talking about some of the things we need to cover. <laughs> these this has changed everything. This format, this sterile environment of looking at a PC screen, talking to a microphone has changed things. Yeah. So how do you use those sales skills that you like to think you have in the interpersonal world with customers? How do you replace that here? Well, I replace it with this because this yeah. is this environment has started more conversations with customers um, or with or, or with friends and people and getting to know them. And and a, a great MD that I worked for in the silicon chip world, a lady that I, I revered, I was in awe of. Not only was she just a, mm. a fantastic, organized, great, leading, like female, power-driven. Wow, she was incredible. She said, just make people remember you, Keith. That's all you got to do. Just make people remember you. So it, with, and I know I keep coming back to screen, they go, so if somebody had a subtitle, they go, what's that bloke's name? You know, the one who comes in here and never stops talking, uh, uh, Keith Lucas, that's him. Yeah. The one who takes a small figure of uh, Barry Sheen around with him everywhere. Exactly, yeah. I always, had a, <laughs> I always wear a badge with Barry Sheen on, on my jacket, you know, every trade show. They go, who's this guy? They know, but it starts a conversation. Yeah. You know? And yeah. COVID has changed that because of this environment. Um and, and they're wonderful. They're tools. Yeah. They're not. The, they're not the end product. They're a tool to get to the end product. So t talk to me a little bit about that because I, I found it challenging over the years. I've I've sort of been in in selling, I guess, since the age of sixteen. So going on for thirty years. But what I might call professional selling for since I was maybe twenty two or something like that. Um, yeah. Some people might disagree in, in the fact that I'm not even doing it professionally now. But that's a different story. Um, but the one thing I've found to be quite challenging is we are different versions of ourselves with different people, but obviously we have a core set of values and a core way of being. Yep. Um, and the, the one thing I've found challenging, certainly from a working class background and, and all of that sort of stuff is, is being my true self yep. in business. I don't feel like I'm faking it no. by any stretch of the imagination, but I do feel like I'm wearing various different hats. And that's something that mentally has always been a challenge for me. How have you, how have you sort of done that? Um, sort of being able to, because I think when you talk about being your true self and then it, it almost feels that you're forcing it then, right? This idea of being your authentic yeah. self. What what does it all mean to you and how have you, how has that manifested itself for you in business? It's like a therapy session. Um, <laughs> I know I'm just trying to learn, Keith. This is not for your benefit in any way. This is just for me. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be, again, just tremendously honest. I was adopted from birth um, by... Mr. and Mrs. Lucas, who put a roof over my head, sent me to private school, um, you know, tried to educate me. But because of dyslexia, I, I challenged it because I liked having a laugh because I liked being the, the, the uh, classroom clown. Um, I had insecurities when I was young and I mean young. I didn't know where I fitted. I uh, My parents then moved across country at 13 and went into a a comprehensive school and I'd come from Walton Lodge preparatory school for young squires, you know, with a cap and, and a proper satchel. I mean, you know, my dad spent a lot of money on this stuff. Yeah. I need to be told by the headmaster, Mr. Lucas, you are wasting your money. Uh, that was an interesting conversation. And I watched the moon landings in his, uh, in his, uh, in his study anyway. So I had insecurity uh, yeah. issues 
until mm. I discovered motorbikes and girls. And I just became Keith Lucas. That's it. I don't change for anybody. I am what I am. I don't. And I, there is an inner confidence. I go, do you know what? It's me against the world. And I'd like a different word because I don't feel like it's a fight, but I can't think of a, it, it's me in the, it's my place in the world. Yeah. It's me. And I, I just, I just go with it. Yeah. Um, what, what age were you when, when you sort of, are you talking 16 years old, 18 years old, 25 16, years old? I was 16 when I got my first, uh, 1977, I got an AP50 Suzuki. Yeah. So my world was my oyster. I, Yeah, I rode that bike until I rode the wheels off it. I just went out. And that view <clears> from the visor, that view from that crash helmet hasn't changed. There's a lot more cars about, but, you know, I'm still a 70s kid. I was born in the 60s, forged in the 70s. So my core values are 70s. Of course, I struggle a little bit sometimes in the modern world. Yeah. A little bit of that. I don't mean to be offensive, but sometimes <laughs> I say the wrong things that are not PC these days. That's just the way it is, you know. But I've never lacked confidence. And I dealt, I thought, why am I? I did think, why am I insecure? Why Why do I? I, I identified what insecurity was yeah. and then realized it was, a, it was a mixture of things. And I couldn't... I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't fear anything. I don't really fear stuff anymore. You know, yeah. for a long time, I haven't felt that. So I just do what I do. If people like me, they like me. If they don't, they don't. And you, and you really genuinely can't please all of the people all of the time. It's you, you simply can't, no matter what you do. You and you, to you've got to... you have to learn that, Dan. You have to yeah. learn, why does that person not like me? What what have I done? And sometimes you have to, I don't mean to front them in a, in a, in a confrontational way. You go, why is it about me you don't actually like? What have I done to upset you? And sometimes they will tell you, and sometimes they well, where have you got that impression from? They'll get quite defensive, of which then I find it quite funny. And I yeah. go, well, they haven't actually got a reason. I, I read, um, funnily enough, I think it was the day before yesterday, I was, I was doing a little bit of uh, research on this very topic, actually. And I think it was in the Harvard Business Review. And I think the title of the article, it was a... It was an article from maybe eight years ago or something like that. Obviously, Google throws you up whatever whatever it wants, right? And it's be yourself, but carefully. Yes. And I thought, mm. kind of, yeah. But isn't there something? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Look, you don't want to be you, you don't want to be that guy. You know, I'm, I'm into football um, and, and and rugby and all that sort of stuff. And the culture of football and rugby is very different, right? If I if I was the guy that was sort of stood in the middle of the park as I was 15 years ago, shouting orders at everyone and effing and jeffing in a business meeting. Yeah. Well, yeah, th that's me being me, but yeah. that's in the wrong forum, right? So yeah. uh, it kind of put me off a little bit. I sort of read the title. I thought, oh, that's not really being you then, is it? And then I read the article in a bit more detail and really thought about it and pondered it. And it's absolutely right. It's be yourself, be the core of who you are, yeah. but just mind where you are and who you're with. I think all, <clears> I think... And this is just a personal view. I'm, I'm happy to, for you to say, no, I don't think, I don't agree. I think all salesmen, people who really want to, I think they're all frustrated actors. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do, get, you know, I did local amateur dramatic stuff and what have you. I'm a bit of a show off, I'll show off on my bike and what have you. And I make no apologies for it. It's just where. Um, so it's a bit of an actor's thing. Um I, I just love people. It doesn't matter whether I walk. I remember walking into a to a meeting at one of the broadcasters in uh, down in Miami, and I'd gone with a friend of mine, and we, we were teaching some software. A lady friend of mine, um, and she, we walked in, and she had a laptop, and, she, and he said, "All right, we're up in we're up in the big room because I've I've got some people together." And yeah. like we we opened the door, there must have been quite a few people there. I couldn't put a number on it, 
and it's bang the performance ta-da I'm off. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen i was i was off <clears throat> the lady i was with was like ah oh, and i said this is this is i won't name her um yeah, yeah she's my friend so and so i said she's she's a little bit more nervous than me so i'll do the talking she'll do the actual work and what have you and we go eventually she blossomed and felt comfortable in that environment but i broke the ice because I, I love people. It could have been a million people in that room. I wouldn't, I would have been the same. It yeah. would have been five or a million people. Doesn't matter. I love people. <clears throat> they are the biggest source of disappointment, obviously. But I have the approach <laughs> of I love everybody until there's a reason not to love them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And is, is there something in it that obviously if you love people and you can engage in people, that's a great skill. And I, I think my 16, going on 17 year old daughter has that in bounds. And I, I, I remember thinking it the first time as she was becoming a teenager, sort of leaving her in a room of of my friends who were all adults and worrying a little bit about it. And 20 minutes later, I come back and she's holding court and she's only 12 years old. And I think, yeah, you, yeah. you've got one of the key skills that you can have in life, in my view, which Absolutely. is being able to engage, understand people and have them understand you, yeah. um, which, which is great. But is there, is there also in, certainly when you're, you're sort of proposition technology, right? When you're trying yeah. to sell technology. Yeah. There needs to be a foundation of understanding and knowledge around it, right? Not the deeply technical stuff, right. but I, it's what I call knowing your shit. And, and yeah. I always think knowing your shit, like going into any presentation, if you know your shit going into the presentation, you don't need the slide deck. No. The slide deck can complement it and help visually for people that learn and pick things up that way. Yeah. But if you genuinely know your shit, you can do the dada stuff as you do much more effectively than me. Um, do your people stuff, but then knowing your shit gives you the confidence yeah. to do the rest of it, in my view. What, what do you think? I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I quickly get out of my depth technically and, yeah. and back to something that my father used to say to me, a little bit a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. He used to say that regularly. But when I, I, I'd go, okay, what do you need? What problem are you trying to solve? And they go off into technical speak and I'd make some notes and i go, look, I know people in my company that will, you know, can talk stratospheric technical. That's not a problem. But yeah. if you could just dumb it down for me as if I was a Labrador or a small child, just, just keep it. And I'm, I use the humor yeah. and I use the vulnerability that I'm sorry, you're, you know, and I always start meetings when there's a big zoom meeting on and it's a new customer. <clears> I go, uh, I go, hi everyone. Look, I am the dumbest person in the room. Right. So please dump it down for me. And it may and I and I watch for the smiles. I watch for the smiles and go, good, I've got an audience here. That's yeah. not a problem. And I try yeah. and control it, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't worry about it. But the times what's more frightening is in my own companies where I've worked and I've brought the customers the and then I've had two engineers and it's like ping pong. And I go, right, so okay, guys, I gotta get back to the customer with something and I can't, I can't dilute what you've said. Can you just cop? Can you send me something so I can copy and paste it? Can you give me some words because this, this isn't working. Yeah. yeah. And they go, all right. I said, I'm really sorry. I'm, re and I bring it down to the simple <clears throat> level, just some lines about how you solve that stuff. I get out of my depth so, so quickly, but in localization of subtitling and captioning, where I've come from, you know, I've got the need. I understand the need and the requirement. Yeah. And, and now do we have a product that can fill it yeah. sell the brand the product will follow sell the support sell the wonderful people you've got in the company mm. sell the expertise the reputation of the company the longevity of the company that was easy with screen ad 40 year technology you know uh, yeah. 40 years of trading and then just backfill with the product and that yeah. you've made you've made it easy to sell the product you know yeah yeah and know Absolutely. your roadmap and know your roadmap where's it yeah. going 
where is your technology going and make sure you reference you've listened i yeah. went on a course a few years back um linguistic programming thing nlp yeah. yeah and when people say oh, i see what you're saying you go right you clearly haven't because the person who says i hear what you say yeah. a massive difference yeah. um, and i and i do that uh so yeah. there's key things that you learn over the years you know yeah yeah, talk, talk, talk to me a little bit about the um, the dyslexia because I think there'll be there'll be people out there, and, and I'm one. I, I don't have dyslexia. I, I, I struggle with 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 something else. We won't get into that, but uh, the, I think most people in some way struggle with something in life in in, in general. Yeah. But um, dyslexia, and we've talked about it before, is something that you you have, have struggled with um, over the years. But tell me how that sort of manifested itself in a business and selling context, and and what you've done to sort of deal with it and and be, and be successful still i've i've embraced it that's what i've done with it um yeah. i'll tell you while i was at school i we didn't know i wasn't no. diagnosed remember 60s born, you know born in 1961 so my education was you know late late 60s early 70s it wasn't you know it wasn't yeah. diagnosed so i went through school being lazy and what have you right i can read but it takes so much effort PCs and being able to type is incredible, but I still lock. So I've got what's called um, optical linear dyslexia. I'm thinking along that way. And I'm already up here, but I haven't filled the words in. So if I handwrite, I'm right. already writing the words at the end of the sentence. I haven't filled the back end because my brain's working too fast. Yeah, That's the problem I have. And of course, the other thing with dyslexia is when, when Windows <clears> gives <throat> some options of spelling or words, yeah, that's not helpful to me. I'm going, all right, that's lovely. But I don't know which one of those it is. Yeah. So that's so it's that. So how did I get round it? Um, by using this, by being mm. honest about it and what have you. I was in my mid-20s when I was diagnosed, and it only happened to be in an off-the-cuff remark to the doctor, because you know what doctor's handwriting's like, and I was getting a prescription for something. Yeah, you can't read it. And he, he went, Can you <laughs> can't read, read it <laughs> And I went, <laughs> looked and I went, yeah, and I read it out. And he went, What have you, say that again? And I read it out and he went, that's not what the words say, but that is what it says. Right. So it's context. What do you mean? He he said, you've nailed it and you've used most of the right words, but you've put some of them back to front and, but you've got it across. He said, are you dyslexic? I said, I have no idea. And he did the picture test Yeah, yeah. You know, with the dots and a, and a, a headline to a newspaper, which he flashed around quick. And he said, what did that say? And yeah. I told him what it said. He said, Keith, it doesn't say that. He put it there again, left it for a little bit longer, took it away. And I went, it does say that. He went, those read each word out loud. And when I read each word out loud, I got them right, but I got them in the wrong order. And he went, you've mm. got dyslexia. That was right. in my mid twenties. Wow. And so, so, yeah. So obviously you've got proposal writing, you've got yes. emails, you've got, there's so much written yeah. and read communication we talk about the speaking and listening which is obviously yeah. probably two of your greatest skills no doubt right but how how are you how have you managed to overcome the the other bits that uh, a sales guy or a sales leader has to in most mo most realms has to engage in right yeah <clears throat> i've just had to deal with it i've just had to go oh, when they ask for a written report i actually love the written word i mean here's yeah. the irony i'm in subtitling you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, sell, I didn't even put those two together. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. subtitling, and I mean access services for, yeah. for the hard of hearing. Right, everybody's <laughs> got a disability of some sort. Well, my disability is the written word. Here I am selling, putting the word on the screen, text on the screen. That's what I do. So <laughs> there's brilliant. an irony there, but it's fantastic. There's a gimmick there. 
you know, yeah, I'm sure there's a tagline or some sort of marketing spin I could put on that. But so it's fascinating. So the, I mean, you know, there's some Shakespeare sonnets that I absolutely love. Yeah. Right. So I'm interested in the written word. And when I hear people speak eloquently and they use a, an extended vocabulary, I'm like, oh, wow, you are. I wish I had that. Yeah. I wish I had that. That comes down to the EQ rather than the IQ thing again. Right. Yeah. I'm interested because it stimulates me. Yeah. So I'll do. So emails, not too bad. I've got but PCs have helped enormously looking yeah. at and typing and what have you, mm. and just and, and being a little bit more focused. I do struggle with a bit of focus as well. I can't be too focused for too long. Yeah. Um, um, tell me what too long is, you know, five minutes <laughs> there. Typical salesman's uh, attention span. But yeah. PCs have helped and just being honest with it and going, okay, okay. And when you get an email from the boss saying, can you give me a summary on that? My heart sinks immediately. I go, Keith, you've done this a million times. Just get on with it. Just, yeah. just don't procrastinate get on with it and then i'm very pleased when i've done it I yeah. go, look at that look at that you know and i'm all proud because i've done it and off it goes right so, you- so, it's, so it's often about putting your mind to it and focusing and, yes. and, and you know really just knowing that actually this is something that needs to be done and i can sort of procrastinate on it and worry about it for yeah. forever and a day or yeah. actually i can just get some focus time get some energy towards it and get it done get it done and then you're mm. pleased with yourself yeah. Isn't that sad? Being pleased with yourself that you've written something, whereas some people find it so easy. Right. So we're picking things back up here, Keith. What is it? Three or four days later after it storm. Is. What's the name of the storm? What what, what name Aaron, are we giving her? Arian or something. Yeah. Shemley lady, isn't it? Something like that. It's because I live in a very small village, and whenever the wind blows, I either get a power cut. And it's, it's okay to have a power cut for a few minutes and what have you, but the internet takes about 10 minutes to reconnect. Um, so I know we, we we cut off and we tried a couple of times, but we had to abandon in the end. We, we did, yeah, but there's a few tells that we're picking this back up a few days later in terms of the lighting and lots of other things that we'll talk about in a minute, no doubt. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah, I think I think we were on the sort of subject of, we, we were talking, you were sort of very open about your dyslexia and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think I was sort of then going on to, to sort of say, but have you had to sort of foster the support of other people as well? You know, you're, you're talking about sort of the old school. You just got to get on with it and, and do the best you can, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, not a, not a bad way to be about many things. Um, but but have you actually sort of found in different companies that you've worked in from a business perspective, but but also on a personal level that you've, that you've had to sort of foster that support of other people? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm open about it. And, you know, I know a lot of people make glib comments about, because they can't spell a couple of words, they're dyslexic. And I, and I go, mm, you know, and I laugh. I, I find that funny. But my dyslexia is is apparent to me nearly every day when I'm certainly when I'm writing something. And and then I, I walk away mm-hmm. and go and get a cup of coffee and come back to it and go, that sentence construction is not right, Keith. And I'll, and I'll go back and fill in. Um, you know, you, you probably notice these LEDs above me. And, yeah, and, yeah. and, and I, I learned in later life after being diagnosed that light is very important to somebody with dyslexia. Coloured right. lights. I'm attracted to LED stuff. I've got it all over the place here. Yeah, um, yeah bright colours and what have you. So, uh, But in the work environment, most people I go, look, I'm actually dyslexic. So can you just help me with that? And they're more than happy to help. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, with Enco at the moment, obviously I've only been there four months. I say to them, guys, Excel spreadsheets, you know, they're, they're great for telling the past. They're great. They could, they're a fantastic tool. And I am in awe of people that can work Excel and fill in the cells and yeah. pivot tables and what have you. I can't do those things, you know, 
and you know and i don't put all my store in excel because it's great at telling the past and what's happened it has absolutely zero ability to tell you what's going to happen in the next <laughs> two minutes nanosecond five years ten years it, it can't it can't predict it doesn't do that so using the tools are great and it and i'll use tools and i'll listen to people at the moment i'm learning a, a product range that i know nothing about um and and i'm getting great help from the uh from the guy who we acquired uh, um, a company called rushworks they were acquired by enco and i'm learning the product but i'm learning it on the job we were talking to a customer last night in the states and i was soaking this stuff up like a sponge so my ability to learn hasn't dwindled with age i know some say you know as you get older you you struggle to learn i still soak it up and he this guy is a texan he's got a wonderful southern draw and his vocabulary and i'm going oh this guy's good and i'm and i'm soaking that up um but the dyslexia does display itself and is evident in and the first thing when somebody says can you do me a little report my mind goes oh no oh the written word this is and i go right (laughs) come on get on with it and then i'm so pleased with myself once i've done it but that dread and that fear before i do it is is almost overwhelming yeah absolutely i I think with um with with a lot of these challenges that 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 we all have in life and they manifest themselves in different ways a lot of it is your attitude your personal attitude and thought process to it right isn't it yeah Um, in terms of being able to get things done i think that's the 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 biggest thing i think you 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 talked to it there really well um just wanted to change tack slightly a little bit if um if if i may um keith we touched on it i think earlier in um earlier in the interview when we were speaking before um about your surroundings and we talked about being your authentic self and letting people into your world and i think it's certainly um certainly in today's digital age um, where everyone seems to have a thirst for knowledge about everything and everyone wants to know everyone's business. Yeah. It, it can be quite helpful sometimes letting people into your little world. And yes. the first thing I noticed when we jumped on a zoom call a little while ago, when you were working from that home office, there was all the stuff that's around you. Yeah. Um, so just talk to me a little bit about that. I know you're sort of massive Barry Sheen fan and a, into your bikes and all that sort of stuff, but just, Talk to me about one or two of those bits and pieces and your 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 sort of ideas around being your authentic self and all that sort of business. I, uh, again, maybe it's the dyslexia. Maybe there's a link there. I, I like logos. I like a company with a strong logo and a brand. So as a kid growing up, I liked, first of all, I liked Formula One. I was, mm-hmm. yeah, I like Jackie Stewart and I like the Tyrrell and I, and I like this stuff. And then as, and then when I was, you know, able to sort of, you know, in back in those days, you were, you, you went down the park and somebody had a moped and what have you, and you, you played. And I got into motorcycles and Barry Sheen was my great hero. I had the great privilege of him taking me uh, um, water skiing down here in Shoreham. He had a, he had a boat down, down this way and he only lived in Charlwood before he moved to Australia. So I, I got to, I wouldn't say I got to know him a little bit. That would be, that would be presumptuous of me, but you know, I, he took me water skiing. He was a very, very nice guy. So I need to have those things around me. I need to have that warmth and, and that feeling of, and there's, there are times if I've had a bad call, and what I mean by a bad call is it, I don't think it's flowed very well, or mm. I know I haven't done a good job. I'm quite self-critical. I could have done that better, could have said that better. And I'll sit here and I'll look around and I'll look at Barry and I go, hey, you know, he was 52 years of age and, and we lost him. Uh, and yeah. the great Ayrton Senna, another 